Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999 podcast like it's 1999 1999 the podcast where we talk about the freaks and geeks episodes i gotta finally of 1999 indeed from souls red light district here in 2019 i'm one of your hosts kenny nybar and i'm phyllis gove and joining us today talking about her expertise television indeed is her area of expertise is emily
And it's a potential object of affection. affection. Yeah. Absolutely. I have never seen a teen show that's so good at having its lead have nobody in the cast who's like good for her, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, and she's going to flirt with some of them, but you know, yeah. Lindsay Weir, if she ever gets married, marries someone she meets not here. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, she, there's a danger to Daniel that she likes Yeah. and she's certainly kind of taken with his charisma. He's very mm-hmm. charismatic. Um, but even she knows like this is a bad idea. Yeah. Whereas Nick is obviously less dangerous, which is why ultimately she ends up even even going down this road with him. But she's, she, I mean, he doesn't know how to spell weight. A lot of shows, <laughs> a lot of shows, <laughs> a lot of shows would make uh, Neil the sort of. Uh, Brian Krakow, who's just sort uh-huh. of like sitting there and like endlessly For pining, sure. and you're supposed to feel yeah. like that's real. And like that's, he does sit yeah. there and endlessly pine, but the show plays it as, yeah, this is never going to happen. What are you doing? Yeah. Well, because in well, Beers and Weirs, he basically tells her, and she like she, she like, like acts like it's the end of the world. She basically starts crying. Yeah, she like falls back on the bed. She's like, oh, what else is going to happen to me today? But the the other thing yeah. that I would say a lot of shows would do is work their ass off to make Nick and Lindsay work. Yes. And I give the show a lot of credit for kind of acknowledging that that a, a few things. One, no chemistry. Mm-hmm. Two, first romances in high school generally look like this. Sure. And this like bizarre but also really believable chemistry that Busy Phillips and James Franco has mm-hmm. is the outlier, not the norm. The norm uh-huh. is like, do I stick my hand in her back pocket? I mm. guess. I'll try. I'm maybe yeah. supposed to in front of my friend. Yep. It's, I think, I'm, blo- so it, I'm blown away by Jason Segel. In, the, in the deleted scenes commentary on this episode, Judd Apatow discusses the thinking behind Lindsay and Nick's doomed romance. He wanted to do a kind of relationship story he'd never seen on TV before, one involving a girl who hates her boyfriend but doesn't have the guts to break up with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he literally says, do you think that's why we're canceled? He says, laughing, no one on earth wants to watch that play out. And there is – I mean, that that is exactly what it is. You sort of pinpointed it, which is like this doesn't – happen they don't do this on tv because Mm -hmm. why would you do this on tv and one of the sort of recurring themes in your reviews um i felt anyway was how did like i understand why this didn't find an audience like there's and 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 not in a in a bad way like you lovingly speak of the things that are great about it but they're all antithetical to a broadcast television show i uh my wife and I saw the movie Good Boys recently, uh-huh. uh, and we're like, that was fun. And But we much preferred Booksmart. Sure. But also, we liked both movies. We saw why Good Boys was a huge hit, and Booksmart like, kind of made its money back, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Like, Booksmart has too much empathy. And like, uh-huh. I think American audiences are not used to empathy in the way that like audiences around the world often are. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you look at uh, – I've really dug myself a hole here, but I'm going to climb out of it. <laughs> okay. um, but no, you look at like the works of uh, Hayao Miyazaki, uh, and he's like terrific at creating empathy for every character, and like even crazy cats with like yeah, crazy cat and like there are certainly American films that have been hits that have empathy for everybody in them. But far more common is like there's a Billy Zane in Titanic where you're like, yep, that's the bad guy, instead yeah. of just like the boat is sinking. We don't really need a bad guy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I, I think that, I mean, this also kind of circles, we should talk about, let's just talk about the, the big scene, because mm-hmm. it's easier to just kind of like, let's break that down first. Uh, the big scene is, uh, throughout the episode, Nick and Lindsay are going to get together uh, at his house that night, uh, his parents were out of town, and everyone's sort of building it up to like, this is where you're going to lose your virginity. And the, a lot of the episode is built around people telling her not to, for, mm-hmm. for lack of a better way of putting it. And at the end of the episode, or near the end anyway, brings her into the basement, candles everywhere, turns on Styx's lady, and starts to serenade her in a way that is so open-hearted. Mm-hmm. It's He's literally just torn open his chest to this girl who does not know what to make of it. There's times where she's flattered. There's times where she's horrified. The range of emotions that, that Linda Cardellini is able to convey in that scene is incredible and just the the loveliness like 
and you say it perfectly in your review, so I'm going to read a little bit of it, uh, where you said, the reason why this scene resonates so much should be obvious. Everyone's done something like this. This episode taps into something primal and universal that not a lot of other art captures this well. Look at how Nick behaves in this scene. He's right there when he rings the doorbell. He's got what he believes to be a romantic music playing. He's unguarded with his emotions. He can't keep himself from showing just how much he's fallen for her while she's completely uncertain about it. The whole thing is pitched as some kind of forever love scenario she doesn't know she's walked into. She suddenly realizes she's a character in a very elaborate story he's created around her but she doesn't want to be a character in that story the only way this is going to end is in heartbreak for him and it really is that like it's it's palpable and i never did anything to this extent but i've also probably did (laughs) maybe maybe but like i've certainly i feel like i do it every day (laughs) (laughs) i've certainly opened myself up to someone in Mm -hmm. a way that is sort of unguarded and 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 really sort of like this is an opportunity for this person to embrace this flood of emotion that's coming at them or reject it. More times than not, it's been rejected. Um, so I, I get it, but I, I, it's it's just a very real but also very funny, painfully funny scene. A couple things I want to say. Yeah. About this. One is Linda Cardellini is like basically Diane Lane on the train. It's like that level of wordless acting um, that I'm blown away by. Two, it's interesting that your review and the way you talked about it, Phil, and also honestly, like this is my what I wrote in the moment is I feel a little weird about my relation, my relation to this Nick Lindsay story. I feel it's told from Lindsay's perspective, but I can't help but feel like it's really from Nick's. What's happening here? In that, the point of view of these Lindsay Nick interactions are really bizarre to me, mm-hmm. given that Lindsay is our entry point and. You know, should be and is absolutely the point of view through which we should be viewing this story. Yet, when you're talking about it, when you talk about it in the review, and the way I felt was I am in Nick's shoes here mm-hmm. to some extent. Um, I'm empathizing with Nick in this moment, uh, which, yeah, I guess I, I said what I said is essentially I just felt weird about it. I, I felt weird about, I don't know, I'm, I'm having weird kind of. I'm having weird responses to this show, you know, like particularly I'm having weird responses in the, in the, the, the male writer's room, the six out of seven main characters are male, the writing of Lindsay, this like ostensibly is Lindsay's story. And yet like all of the pathos feel like they're all, all the obvious pathos feel like they're wrapped up in Nick. And that's kind of, odd to me in the moment that's uh, more of an open question than really you well know. i think that it should also be said too you know patty lynn co-wrote this episode this episode was directed by leslie Lincoln yeah Glatter. uh it, it does it does feel i i agree with you that in terms of this specific scene this scene does feel maybe a little bit more weighted towards nick than it is to her I mean, but I, the episode on the whole feels like it is really Lindsay. Gra- i mean it, it opens is, with Lindsay's it is. It walking is a, down the halls it's a classic 90s teen show trope which is they're gonna have sex like that is yes. the plot of the episode yeah. and then it's this instead and that's somehow worse <laughs> like if they had had sex and it was if anywhere yeah. from terrible to amazing yeah. like Lindsay could have integrated that into her life story sure instead this becomes just this thing that she's going to tell every boyfriend she has in yeah. the future where she's like uh, i had knew this guy in high school well because yeah. it's like this explosion in slow motion that she's trapped in and and that she's just like to your point like if it was incredible it's incredible no i know but like to your point like if it if they just had sex and it was good, it was bad, it was whatever, she could have moved on with her life. But this thing that she's being sw- – it's like a black hole she's being mm-hmm. sucked into that she has no emotional capacity to really process or be able to move forward from. And Nick is just smiling at her as he tries to suck her deeper into this hole. It's just and, – and I also have to say too – and I've never been – I don't want to say never, but I don't think I've ever been in the opposite of this scenario. Like I haven't been in, in Lindsay's position necessarily. So I don't know what it's like to have all that emotion hurtling towards you because it, and you see it with Lindsay, which is that she's flattered by it at some points. And then at other points she's terrified by it. Like it's just, it's a whole host of emotions that I, whereas Nick is pretty binary, whereas she really has to kind of show a lot more. It's, it's, it's fascinating. And, and it's also just, Again, a testament to the fact that like these are just superb actors. 
You know, both of them. Also, it should be said too. I don't know if at this point they were dating in real life, so there's that added wrinkle into this. So who knows? But there's all that too. So yeah. it's uh, it's it's a real kind of lightning in a bottle scenario where you're really kind of seeing something really special. And I don't know. What do we think about the scene ending on uh, "I just want to hold you." Instead of, do you want to just make you out? Want to just her make point? out, right? Just like, can we just tear off this fucking bandaid and do no, this? Can or we just do what kids do, yeah. right? And I just want to, I just want to hold you. That's it. That's a question. What do we think well, of that? He, he says most guys just want to make out. I just want to hold you. Like he's contextually putting himself on another plane. Nick is um, Nick is somebody who's looking for an escape from his life. Like the other episode that you're going to talk about in this recording session. With Indeed. The other guest who's outside and I can't imagine who she could be. Yeah, I don't know who it is. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I'm with the band, which is a show about him being like, okay, I'm going to pursue these rock and roll dreams. Maybe yeah. that's my way to get out of this life that's been thrust upon me. Lindsay's another way for him to get out of that life. If he totally. can make her fall in love with him to the degree that someday they are a couple and get married and mm-hmm. have kids like – She's going places. Nick is not. He's happy to be a barnacle. And mm-hmm. like that's not a great basis for a relationship. But, you know, when you're 16 or 17, it sure seems like it could be. Uh, totally. Sure. It's, it's like say anything, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as you were talking, I was thinking about your – actually your review from I'm With The Band and how it, it really kind of – applies to so many episodes, which is sort of the definitions of masculinity and, and, and femininity that exists within this show. And specifically in this, in this episode, we really have sort of – just to kind of break it down, we really have just two couples. Mm-hmm. We have the Lindsay and Nick thing and then we have Sam and Cindy. Mm-hmm. Both OTP. Of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what's interesting about both of those dynamics is how much more complex the female side in those equations are to the male. Mm-hmm. The male sides are very binary. They're very either very black and white. You're mine. You're not mine. Yeah. Uh, whereas the 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 women have a whole host of complexity as to why they're in these relationships or not in these relationships. I mean, Cindy doesn't, as we learn at the end of the episode, doesn't really perceive Sam as uh, as a as a potential suitor mm-hmm. uh, or a boyfriend. Um, but she still is grappling with their relationship. And what that means, what their friendship means, and how you know what it would be like to have a boyfriend, a male friend, yeah, yeah. Um, which I think is really interesting. I think that Cindy in this episode, I love. This was the episode where I really fell in love with Cindy's character. I think that they do great. Like she becomes, I mean, putting <laughs> putting the fart aside, which is <laughs> one of the best things that's ever happened on this television show. Uh, just. Bill trying to recreate it on the chair is just unbelievable. <laughs> the fart's uh, amazing. It's amazing. I hate fart humor. So do I. Like I so hate do fart. I. And, but it's – of all the characters you should fart in and say the chair always does that. It's, like it's, it's great. Perfect. It it's humanizes perfect. her. It, and then she talks about her period in a very offhanded way that she just throws it away, which is – that again, feel, That feels a little bit like you know, that's that Katie Holmes Toby McGuire moment in Ice Storm where you're just like a brother. You know, that, oh, yeah. oh yeah. She, when she says it to, I didn't catch. That's very astute. I didn't get that on yeah. this watch. I more, I more kind of glommed onto the fact that very few shows would even have her say that. Sure, um, and it makes Cindy that much more interesting. Um, it and again, sort of adds to like you had a female writer here, you had a female director. Like, there's just there, there is a a, a real femininity and and sort of richness to Cindy's character because she's always been the object of affection. She's never been, I think until this episode really become a character. Yeah. <laughs> I just was going to say uh, the, the thing that Cindy does with um, yes. the thing with the, the, the period mention is like, that is a thing that, that I understand everything about both men and women now. That's like one of the things that is, yeah, is why you want to have me on the show. Well, one everything. of the reasons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> the thing with where she talks about her period is like for some women, it's like I want to be this guy's friend, but I don't want it to escalate where he has feelings for me and I don't. So I'm just going to get him oh. to see me as a human being as quickly as possible. And like you're just like, oh, boy, blood comes out of me every month. Wow. What a weird thing. <laughs> yeah. That's that is. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I there are certain things as so. I mean, I, I've I have been friend zoned on many, many, many occasions, and there are so use that word. It's true. Uh, no, but that's like that's that's a thing, though, right? A little like, bit. So, but 
No, it really is. That's like that's that's what I struggled with the the episode a little bit. This idea of you, we talked about this in the last episode yeah. a lot. Um, so I don't want to necessarily relitigate it too much, but it's this idea of possession. It's mm-hmm. this idea of what I deserve. It's this idea of you know like what exactly has Sam done to you know be a a uh, potential suitor for a Cindy except for think about her in his room. Yeah. Right. Or just so, exist. Yeah. I yeah, mean, he's, yeah. he declared to himself and like quietly to his friends that this is a girl that I, I am pining over essentially. But that's, I think that, that this is a lot less troubling, troubling for me than the last episode, which, um, did you guys watch six, seven and eight? No, just six up? and eight. Cause so, we got home. Yeah. seven's the one with Maureen, mm. um, which has a lot more issues. A lot more of these issues. Possessive but, issues, more importantly. Um, I do think that this episode, to its credit, shows the beginning of a male-female friendship that you almost never see on television. Mm-hmm. Most male-female friendships on television um, just start mm-hmm. in the pilot. Mm-hmm. They're, 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 fr- they're friends. They're, you know, they've been friends and... You don't really understand what happened. They treat them as if they were, you know, not potential, you know, two hetero, two heterosexual people who are potentially, you know, into each other at some point. And uh, for better or worse, this is a lot. Of, a lot of my male female friendships started. Now looking back, I'm embarrassed about kind of how I walked into them. You know, looking at like every girl's potential mate like that's sure that's objectifying everybody and that, mm-hmm. that's dehumanizing them that's really kind of well but unfortunate but this does feel this doesn't feel so sad to me like the maureen stuff felt so sad no, and dangerous and this feels a lot well because i think there's a maturity realistic. to a certain degree in sam's character mm-hmm. that by the end of the episode he's able to to say to himself, I mean, listen, I don't know. Perhaps it's one of two things. Perhaps he thinks that he can that he can find his way through the friend zone to to something more. So perhaps that's that's what he thinks. Or he just likes Cindy and he just wants to be in her orbit and he enjoys her company and doesn't care if that means he has to listen to her talk about a I football think, player. I, I think what I'm saying is basically the <clears throat> the, the, the first one you mentioned mm-hmm. is like dangerous. It's mm-hmm. this idea that I like agree. the friend zone it's like it's the friend zone is somewhere that a girl puts a guy when she is defending herself against it. It's a useful concept that's been warped mm-hmm. by a lot of people who, oh, you've been friend zoned as opposed to like uh, the idea that being a friend with a woman is like Not being enough. relegated Lesser. to, the, to yeah. the phantom zone. And like I do think I do think it is a useful concept because when you are a man – I understand everything about everything <laughs> who has a crush on a woman and she does not replicate that reciprocate that crush. But you do like being her friend like that is an exquisite kind of agony, especially when you're like 17 to 21. That like, is an agony I'm well acquainted with. And, and I mean that not in the sense that because I, I just want to be clear about what I was getting at earlier, which is I don't feel as though. Yes, what is I have continued to be friends with these with these women. It's not as though a girl that I was interested in said, I want to be your friend, quote unquote, which really was just like, I don't want to date you and we'll hang out maybe and be acquaintances. I meant it in a literal sense, which is I would then be friends with these women and and that's fine and that's great and I don't have any necessarily a problem with that. But it is just sort of a – it's just – I don't know. I think it's 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 a tough situation to be in, especially when you're in high school, because you are you're you feel so raw and so exposed. You're still trying to figure out who you are and trying to sort of hopefully become a a, a, a better person or or at least the person you want to be. And when people say I don't like that or I don't like that person or I don't like who you are right now, that hurts. And for what it's worth, Sam is dealing with it in the right healthy way. There's absolutely no, mating wouldn't happen. Unless sure, people, sure. Uh, unless people yeah. express the way they felt for other people at some point, the whole idea is at some if if that's rejected, you should move on, yeah. and if that turns into a friendship, that's lovely. But yes, of course, I'm well acquainted with it too. Feel like no, I, so, I mean, so many times in high school and in college, I I, I felt this agony, but 
you know, looking back and kind of, you know, interrogating my own feelings at the time, what did I really want? Well, I don't really know what I really wanted, to be honest. I didn't know how much I wanted. I don't think a lot of people know what they wanted that age. Right. So this episode really kind of, it really is the, Lindsay's going to have sex and everyone tells her not to. So, you know, Rosso basically gives her a pamphlet on dating, which is really weird. He tells her he has heart herpes, which is also really weird. Um, you've got her father telling her about how he lost his virginity in Korea. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, and he really just seems bummed that he lost $5, it seems. <laughs> That's on, that's on brand. That's on brand. That's an old idea to me. The idea sure. that were your first time special? Um, I without Emily's <laughs> <laughs> rolling the dice. Oh fuck! I oh, got it. All right. Uh, do you want to tell your story? Or, I mean, don't feel like uh, an obligation. So I've been dating this girl for you know nine, ten months. I grew up super Christian. Strike one. Um, I was adopted, so I was terrified of screwing anything up. Uh, strike two. And uh, I was a, a trans woman who had not yet realized that fact, so strike three. Uh, but I'd been dating this girl for nine, ten months, uh, and we were you know, making out, and, and we were in college. Like This was my freshman year of college, and things got to a place where it was more and more um, tricky – and uh, uh, and then we, you know, I don't want to say accidentally because like, but like it was it was a thing where I was like, I don't want to be doing this. I do want to be. I don't, you know, it was like that thing where I was like trapped between the two. Uh, and then like uh, we got done and uh, I was like, uh, did we just have sex? And she said, I think so. And then I said, but it was mutually unsatisfying. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, yeah, it was. Woo. So no, the answer is no. It wasn't special. No, it wasn't. But uh, it was memorable. I waited. For a, a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a while. I mean, I wasn't. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think part of my issue was too many movies um, and too many television shows of building it up to be something that it, mm-hmm. it was. Giving you was, the idea that it was supposed to be special. Sure. Right. And, uh, you know, and ultimately, um, I, I actually, you know, I, I, I'm happy with the person that I did it with. It was someone that I cared a you know, fair amount about. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird thing and, and it's, it's, I don't know. It's also different. I mean, listen, it's always different for guys and girls. They both have sort of yeah. different ways coming into this whole situation. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously a rite of passage and it's something that people should do when they feel comfortable doing it. Um, but it's, it's built up to be something that is probably not healthy. And I actually, would, I, I think that there's something sort of, I want to say kind of, American in terms of the 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 way that sex is perceived here. There's a there you know this this country's a lot more religious. Have you, have you seen the movie Call Me by Your Name? Yes. There's a real casualness to yes. when his girlfriend's like, oh, we should have sex, and he's like, I don't know, and then like he has sex with yeah. the, the Army Hammer, and mm-hmm. just like yeah, there's such a casual attitude to it's that. It's not piece. casual here, and then that's not yeah. healthy. And yet, like I feel like we as a society at least now, mm-hmm. are having sex later than our European counterparts, for mm-hmm. instance. Um, I asked the question, and I, you, you, you both kind of went where I wanted you to go. I asked the question. You wanted me to tell you the story. I got that out of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, and my, and my first time, I think, was similar to yours, Phil, in that like it, it, it couldn't have been more um, – it couldn't have been more situationally perfect for me. Mm-hmm. I was with a girl I liked very much. We had been together for a few months. She was not a virgin. I was a virgin. So I felt you know a certain amount of pressure off. Mm. Um, and like it wasn't like our first time hooking up or anything mm. like that. Like we had been – you know, it was a it, similar situation. So me. it was super comfortable. I had Bjork but, playing in the background though. So. Yeah. I mean I don't want to tell you what I played in the background. Really? But, no, I, I, I actually don't remember. But um, – <laughs> I had my I had my thoughts about <laughs> what's happening. What's, yeah. So, but the point I was making some of the yeah. point you're the, you're making, which is this idea of it has to be special, is yeah. as dangerous as the idea of like just go and fuck the first girl you see. Yeah, like putting any kind of expectation on it is very dangerous to me. Like I like I straight up went to therapy about this particular issue, and I remember being in therapy. And my therapist saying, you know, the first 10 times, it's going to be terrible. 
like just remember that like the first 10 times like you're not gonna know what you're doing and you're not gonna enjoy it um whereas i'd built it up to basically be like you know this i don't know this like pleasure explosion but also like the weight of the world dripping off my shoulders because i was later than all my friends so i am um, you gotta spend ten thousand hours at anything ten thousand hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah, unsurprisingly, I have feelings on the gender role aspect of this, um, which is I really felt like I was supposed to be like really trying to get laid, you know, all through Me too. high school. And like I, I was I chalked up the fact that I was not that I found it easy to avoid having sex in essence. That sounds like I had a girlfriend my senior year of high school and she was ready for us to hook up beyond, you know, the hooking up we were already doing. And like. She, in retrospect, she would have been a good first time because, like, we both would have remained friends. It never would have worked out, but it just would have been like, okay, this is just a thing. It would have demystified sex for me in a way that it needed to be. But, like, I was always in a place where, like, I didn't feel super, you know, ready to go in the way that pop culture told me I was supposed to. So I was like, there's something defective and broken in me. And, like... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I don't know how to put this, but like it, it, it wasn't broken. It was that I, I had not, you know, seen. And that's talking about sort of the, the gender roles aspect of this show. I think this show is really smart about the ways that men are penned into little boxes starting in adolescence um, and how that affects the way that they develop. And you're probably going to talk about this more with I'm with the band because that episode yeah. a little more about that, about this, but it, there's a vulnerability to the male characters on this show mm-hmm. in a lot of ways that I think makes this, it's another reason why this show is special, but I, I do agree with what you're, what you're getting at or what you were just saying about this idea that like you, um, there were, you know, there were girls that, that, that I could have had sex with before the girl that ultimately I did. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I, I don't even know if it was a ready thing or I really believe that unfortunately it was just this unrealistic expectation on who I thought it was going to be. I, I see. I kind of <clears> had the opposite, which is I thought if I had sex, I was going to get sent to hell. Like, oh, yeah, I didn't have that issue. <laughs> nope. Not well, uh, yeah. like, and like, I just was like, Oh, I can't have sex because God doesn't want me to have sex. But oh, like, boy. it was compounded with the fact that I found it, I found it easy to not have sex because my brain was on the wrong cocktail of things. Like the right. hormones that were flooding my brain, my brain found weird and confusing. So it just like ignored them. Yeah. So, now I'm a horny teenager, but I just <laughs> <laughs> listen. Better late than never, right? Did yeah. you guys see the John Hill movie mid nineties? No. no. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was a great movie. No. But I did think the idea of having sex to go tell your friends about it mm-hmm. was very real. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, and that I think that's some. I don't know. Like yeah. it doesn't sound like either of you were. In I didn't that, have that. Type I of had dynamic. that. Yeah. You know, I definitely had that, and that's dark. Like sure. Ultimately, like I think like that's like kind of a, a really kind of mid nineties idea. Um that you're you know, bros over hoes, that your friends are yeah. more important than women. Right. And that sex is not really even something to be shared with your partner, it's to be shared with your friend group. And Nick does a little bit of this in this episode too. You know, he mm. kind of parades around everyone knew before that they had kissed. Yeah. Remember Kim like was it this episode? I guess it yeah. was seven. Or was it No, I think it was this one. Yeah, where Kim like Pulls her, you know, aside and says, "Oh no, you're right. It was seven. seven. But um, Nick, yes, I think to some extent, Nick 
is with uh, is with Lindsay to tell his friends. Yeah, I think that and, and to, to piggyback on that, one of the more interesting scenes um, in this episode is the scene between Lindsay and Daniel, <clears throat> where Daniel talking up Nick mm-hmm. to her about how like he's a stud and he's this great guy. It is in this episode, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and her not really knowing what to do with that information. There's this, this sort of, to your point, this bro solidarity that seems to be kind of pervasive in the scene where it's Daniel trying to sort of be like being there for his buddy to try to sort of seal the deal. If he's maybe not able to do it himself, uh, there, there is, there's that, there's that subtext going on there. But then on top of it, it's actually, there is some real humor in it as well. There's that weird way the scene ends with uh, him talking about, uh, Daniel talking about the teacher's dress and how he's kind of into the teacher, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Um, there's just a lot of kind of, there's a lot baked into it and to it. And then on top of all of that, you also have earlier in the season, you have Lindsay sort of toying with affection for him mm-hmm. and her un- uneasiness about how she feels about Daniel. Uh, mixed into all this, so it's a really interesting scene that plays into again gender roles and 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 these kind of these definitions that sort of exist but don't exist. Like in high school, it's all so muddy and weird, and you just don't know who you are. I mean, you mentioned it. I think it was in one of your reviews about how the show is about becoming. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was Matt Zollerzeist who who referred to mm-hmm. to the show that way. That it's that really all high school shows are about growth, right? It's mm-hmm. about finding out who you are. Um, that's what makes them so exciting to watch, right? Because it's a lot of firsts. It's a lot of breaking ceilings and trying to – breaking eggs, if you will, and finding ways to find out who you are. And I think that that's uh, – what makes this show great is that this show's messier than most. I had a, somebody on Twitter reach out to me and say uh, – I was resharing my – Freaks and Geeks reviews last night on Twitter as we were watching the episodes. And, and mm-hmm. somebody reached out to me to say, by the way, I don't know how your guests are watching these, but we started out because we have the DVDs. We have we have a Blu-ray of it. We st- it's not on streaming anywhere. anywhere. No. You can't even rent it on Amazon. No. So we started out watching it on Daily Motion. That's how Kenny watched all The best advertisement Shout Factory could make for its DVD set is that watching it on Daily Motion. They should leave it up there because it gets interrupted by ads at random times. It like okay, – occasionally craps out like really? what a wonderful yeah. finally i gave up last <laughs> did night did you finally watch them on your dvd no i watched all three on daily motion finally i'm like this is too much and i went searching through all my old dvds and, and found, found, the, found my that's what we did we set. went through like, like we have much. not unpacked our dvds and we went through boxes anyway i was yeah. tweeting about this and somebody reached out to me and was like those reviews helped me realize i was trans like a trans wow. uh, a trans girl who was reading these as a teenager huh. and just like I mean, you could have told me. That would have been nice. (laughs) We should have, we should have talked about this. But no, like the way I wrote about, because. Well, I'm with the band and specifically. Yeah. But also, like, I really, like uh, this episode, I recognized as like when I was dating, and I'm now it's going to sound like I'm saying Nick is a trans woman, which he's clearly not. But like when I was dating a, a girl, it felt like. It was all I wanted to do was like make these big romantic gestures and I just didn't understand like sort of when my friends would talk about having sex with their girlfriends and like how irresistible they found their girlfriends. I just was like, well, I must be a good Christian that like that must be what it is. And instead it was just that like, you know, I was a woman and like one of the one of the this is sort of a a thing. Oh, God, I've gotten far afield, but whatever. Uh, This is a thing that uh, I find really resonant. Um, A lot of trans women talk about is one of the things that keeps us in the closet is we hear how men talk about women when they think women aren't around. And yeah, I experienced that in high school, less post high school because I chose I mean, I was in the theater program in college, so I hung out with a lot of gay men. <laughs> um, but like, not that the gay community doesn't have its own problems with misogyny, et cetera, et cetera. But like, and then, so mostly after that, like, I've hung out with with guys who are respectful to women, or like adore women, or like like hanging out with women. But yeah, in high school, I'd have you know, the analysis of women is just like a collection of parts, yeah. and um, as uh, as not human beings, but as whatever. And I just was like, boy, I'm glad I'm not them, and. Uh, yeah, I, I, I will say that I was exposed to some of that, but I don't – and I, I don't mean to suggest that, you know, that well, I only hung in, out with – in the cosmopolitan city of Toronto. I did grow up in Canada. Um, I, you know, I had a I, – I did not hang out with particularly um, 
just those kind of guys. I hate to say that because that feels so sure. So, but I, I, but truthfully, like, and and maybe it was the 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 Canada of it all, perhaps, or the people that I hung out with. But I mean, listen, sometimes conversations would come up. I'm not saying that 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 mm-hmm. we were, you know, but I. The only so I remember at summer camp, uh, I, the 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 senior boy section of our summer camp mm-hmm. was a little bit fraternal. Uh, we had a line that if you cross that line, you get thrown in the lake, and there were some elements of kind of broy elements to that. This part literally of my life. sounds like hell to me. Like that. <laughs> like when I would be in those situations as yeah. a teenager, I just was like, I don't fucking understand why we're doing any of this why aren't we sitting around and gossiping <laughs> I, to be to be perfectly honest with you i had a very similar sure. feeling about it i i liked the fact that i felt like i was one of the quote unquote the guys or that i was hanging out with a group of people that felt cool or whatever that meant but i also never felt comfortable kissing and telling mm. never really felt comfortable when other people would talk about that stuff um and and it, it wasn't pervasive there wasn't a lot of it in my life but when it did come into my life i just found myself being like i don't get this right 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 but i'm gonna stay silent and just sit here and just like let and then take it in and like and like yeah. i grew up in a town of 750 people my my group of guy friends was good about not really doing that like sure. we were pretty we were respectful for that town and for that time but mm-hmm. it was still you know in in the world I grew up in, like a wife was a thing to endure. You got married and had kids with someone, yeah. and then she just became like this 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 thing that tried to keep you from having fun. And like, I internalized those attitudes in a weird way, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, pop culture yeah. feeds yeah. us those attitudes all the time. Um, but I do want to say, like, there's this enormous gray area, and men feel a lot less comfortable playing in it than women. And like, the gray area includes things like. I like to play Dungeons and Dragons or I, you know, I want to be a, a, a I want to perform the, a song from sticks for my, my girlfriend. Like, and men often feel are shamed out of being in that area. And like, we need to change that language. And fortunately I think it's being changed. I, I was just going to say, I do mm-hmm. feel like we're seeing a lot more. And I, I even hate this terminology, but I'm going to use it anyway. A lot more beta males in pop culture um, because I think that there's a, there's a there's a shittiness to that too because mm-hmm. it feels lesser than blah 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 all that sort of stuff too. So I don't think that's great, but I do love that we're seeing more characters, male characters that are in touch with their emotions, yeah, and allowed to express them. And it's fascinating that how Apatow was a big part of that happening. He and was. now his movies feel a little regressive. If I you go back and let me. That's kind of, that's kind of the thing about comedy though. It moves past certain things. Yeah. yeah. I think there, we talked about this a little in seven as well. Yeah. I think there are, there are a lot of regressive elements to it, but um, I had a very different kind of adolescence than you two, I think. Um, well, Hopefully I just in a good way. I don't no, know. not in a good, like in a, a different, in a complicated way because. Were you the cutest boy in school? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was. <laughs> Perfect. Well, there's no question about that. But um, I always was friends with uh, with athletes mm-hmm. my whole life, right? Yeah. And even as like I stopped kind of being able to make it make the teams, those were mm-hmm. still my friends, mm-hmm. right? For the most part. Sure. So I was always kind of involved with groups that did objectify women in the ways we're talking about. So mm-hmm. I'm very much I, – I, I was in and around in a part of these conversations that you're talking about. On top of that, and at the same time, I lived in that gray area you're talking about. Mm. I wasn't shy about it either. Um, I sang in acapella groups. I was the lead in the play. Yeah. Um, I, you know, opened about like my love of musical theater for whatever, um, from, from whatever age. Um so – and I never felt shamed by my friends to the point where they didn't want me to do it, if that makes any sense. Like I would get made fun of gently for it, but they were still at all my shows, mm-hmm. you know? And like they still like – you know, just – it was like gentle ribbing as opposed to like you can't hang out with us because you do these things. Mm-hmm. So what I'm kind of trying to say is like – and on top of that, we always had girlfriends – 
we always had girlfriends who were, uh, I mean, female friends, you know, girls who are friends. We always had girlfriends who we respected. And there was also this, you know, kind of streak of misogyny. But um, girls were always like involved and were more than just objects. Mm -hmm. So what I'm kind of trying to say in terms of that is people contain multitudes. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like oh, you, sure, can, yeah. you can be a lot of yeah. different things at the same time. That's what yeah. this show's about. And yeah. that's what we were talking about as well with this idea of, you know, the Sid, Cindy is a cheerleader, but she's also, you yeah. know, a good girl, and et cetera. Uh, Maureen is, you know, the prettiest girl in school, but she's also cool enough to go all you can eat. Like everyone contains multitudes. I think that this idea, these ideas we're talking about is uh, a lot more pervasive with the geeks than I think we're mm-hmm. talking about. There's a lot. I mean, Bill is talking. You know, mimes grabbing. I think mm-hmm. it's Cindy's ass at some point. When he when he gets he doesn't know what he's doing. He, he just knows. Yeah. He doesn't know what he. <laughs> yeah. It's true. He doesn't yeah. know what he's doing. But the yeah. but the people yeah, he's yeah. chosen to mimic mm-hmm. are kind of those aggressive people yeah. that that we've yeah. pushed out of culture more or less. Yeah. And he's more concerned talk, about her like of the Muppets than he is. Or yeah, and they talk a lot about are we ever going to have girlfriends? Which yeah. you know it's people would talk about that as kids, and these are good scenes, but. They – people contain multitudes and I do think that, you know, whether you noticed it or not, Phil, I assume there was some objectifying your group of friends growing up as as well just because that's what happened. So much of what I'm look, seeing with the show is is they're just chronicling what actually happened and I don't think in 99 when they wrote it, they had a good grasp of right. how toxic some of it is. Sure. I mean I think that, you know, the 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 – idea that you know we contain multitudes i think is nicely shown in how lindsay continues to surprise the freaks yeah you know in, also in, how the freaks surprise lindsay sure sure um, the freaks are the ones who were labeled you know i mean she sure. gets labeled a little bit she's a mathlete right yeah but like i just mean from a more gender perspective than mm-hmm. from a uh, uh sure class yeah, perspective yeah. i think it's just interesting how she continues to uh Surprise them um, and surprise Nick. I mean, because I do think that there's something very binary, as I mentioned earlier, about how he perceives her. I think there is something very much about uh, possession or, or if, if nothing else, uh, she's my girlfriend um, and, and what that brings to him and what that gives him, um, a sense of uh, definition or whatever the case might be. Um, but every now and then with the IDs in the previous episode where she knows the Kevin Corrigan character and she's able to help them out or she's able to help Daniel with studying or whatever it is. Like there's all these things that they just don't think about with her. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's an important distinction that the show is making too, which is uh, people aren't binary and I I, I think people aren't black and white. And I think that that's one of the great things about the show. Yeah. And I think um, I do think that Paul at least is aware of the poisonousness of the geek's attitude in a lot of these scenes. I don't like it doesn't come across as much, but like the way Neil is talking about like the hot librarian mm-hmm. is just like it's so clear that a he has no idea and b he's like he's trapping himself, he's cornering himself in a way, and just thinking of. I do think that anytime you get into a space where gender is treated as like a hardcore binary, like the place where I grew up, the women do this, the men do this, the women do this, the men like that is, that's when these things start to crop up. And like, um, certainly, uh, we've seen in the last 10 years, uh, circles of people who care about geekier things. There are a lot of guys in those circles who, mm-hmm. um, who are all too willing to sort of play into these yeah, ideas. It's toxic fandom and, all those various things as we oh, watch uh, something speaking of toxic fandom i don't know if you did uh, oh 10 venice just awarded uh joker the golden lion and roman polanski's movie won the jury prize so speaking of things that are all right wow. joker best picture joker best picture great. joker um toxic things yeah. in the world i have a lot more um, issues with the roman polanski part but sure uh but i think that i think all of this is sort of part and parcel of um Kind of, I'm gonna I'm gonna read another portion of your review here because I know you okay. love your own words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best episodes of Freaks and Geeks have a unity of purpose that pulls all the characters into roughly the same thematic orbit. While this episode is absolutely 
made by Nick Singing Lady, there's a reason that the scene is safer near the end. That's just the cherry on top of an absolutely delicious construction that features so many different kinds of teenage angst and frustration. The script by Patty Lynn and Paul Fee contains so many great lines, a favorite being uh, Neil chastising Sam's awkward attempt to talk to Cindy with, hey Merv, <laughs> nice interview. <laughs> uh, and so many accurate observations about how both genders operate within these uncomfortable situations that flies by underpinned by the show's basic certainty that no one will ever get the kind of everlasting happiness in high school that teenagers did on other teen dramas. The adolescence of freaks and geeks is prolonged by an exquisite agony that feels as if it will never end. And the more the show digs into this, the more it teaches it reaches its potential. I, I think that that, you know, really kind of crystallizes. That was really smart. It's really smart. Yeah. Whoever wrote Thank this is really yeah. smart. Thank you, Pass Me. <laughs> I also love that you and Alan both love that line about Merv Griffin. Yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> that's one of the funny things about like um, you know, nerdy nerdier circles often like sort of the assumption is, oh, you gotta like have this swagger of, mm-hmm. but like that doesn't work for everybody. It works for yeah. some guys, yeah. but some guys like are going to get the girl by just being interested in her and asking yeah. her questions because Women often, uh, especially in this time and place that we're talking about on this show, like women are often treated not like interview subjects, but like objects, you know, at least if you're an interview subject, you are part of a conversation, like even if it's a terrible conversation, you know? Yeah. I mean, I I think that, yeah, I I guess I just, the Cindy thing really, I really locked into her in this episode and how she's existing in her universe. And, you know, the fact that we get to see that crazy bedroom that she lives in and the, the, the way that she acts with Bill as opposed to the way that she acts with Sam. It's not that crazy, that bedroom. It's a little crazy. Why is it crazy? It's just it, – it looked like a Barbie's sort of – it looked like – it just looked a little bit sort of – a little bit broad in terms of what a, a – It just looked like the bedroom uh, of a girl that hasn't been updated to be a teenager's room. Oh, Yeah. Absolutely. Maybe. I bought that, I, I, I bought it, that room. Yeah. Okay. It looked it, it, okay. I wasn't saying that it seemed unbelievable necessarily. It just it seemed Well, bit, her whole know. family seems a little repressive. Sure, right? sure, sure. Like there she doesn't yeah. watch TV, she doesn't eat yeah. junk food, and clearly it seems like she's not allowed to put like posters on her wall or something sure. like that. But it seems It's more of a like I just I appreciated her like when she eats the burger how she feels like she's a rebel yeah, she's for bad. eating a burger. Yeah. Oh my God. When I, I saw the review, one of the things I said, and I noted this on Twitter last night, mm. one of the things I said was, am I Cindy Sanders? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> if I had been, if and, I had and somehow, Libby said that she's Lindsay. Yeah. Libby's Lindsay, which is true. <laughs> but like, yeah, I just was like, uh, uh, I, I just was like, Grew up in a totally repressive environment, thought that rebelliousness was like, I'm going to eat all the fast food I can. And like that got me in trouble. But, you know, you know, like, you, don't, yeah. you don't need Christianity for those feelings. No, absolutely. Because <laughs> that, <laughs> that guilt comes uh, oh, from very, yeah. man, when I got my car and I can go to McDonald's or KFC, I was making sure I, wore, I went home with the windows open. No smell. Really? Everything was coming out of the car before. There was not going to be, I was not bringing it home. Like these really? Were, I didn't go to McDonald's or KFC. Until I had my car, I was wow. not allowed to eat that food. Oh, I didn't know that. I think oh, that yeah. I think what's interesting. One of the things that's interesting about Freaks and Geeks is how it depicts kids from across a wide class yes. Yes. structure. Yes. Cindy's clearly her parents are better off. Lindsay and Sam's parents are upper middle class. They're yeah, still they're middle class, yeah. but like they they do pretty well. And then you have people Kim, like Kim Kelly. Yeah, Kim Kelly. And it's just like I think that that's so an interesting thing that teen dramas rarely deal with is um the another one that does is my so called life. Yes. My so called life digs into class and mm-hmm. the way that teens become cognizant of it but not really aware of it. Yep. And like I think that's well, really smart. It's one of the things I love about Veronica Mars. Yes. Yes. Veronica That's Mars. Class warfare. For and, uh, it, it's 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 very much baked in the DNA of the show. Mm-hmm. But um, that was true in my town too. You know, my my town was. You solved mysteries. I. Yeah. <laughs> Kenny's a no, private detective. No, no, my girlfriend did. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> are you Duncan Kane? Yeah. Or in this Logan? equation, are you no, Logan? Logan. <laughs> um, I'm I'm Piz. Uh, oh, Piz. That I believe. Yeah, yeah I was very busy. <laughs> well, Piz went on to. You went to work for NPR, basically. Yeah, I went, well, the, the guy went on to found Glow, so yeah, I, yeah. I very much am yeah. his. I got to catch up on Glow. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, no, in my town, like, there was Newcastle, which was the bigger town, Chappaqua, which is where the Clintons live, which is where, you know, I lived, and then Millwood, and we all went to the same high school, and there's a pretty wide gap 
between the people at the top and the people at the bottom in my high school. That was really felt. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So when you were talking about like, you know, you'd have those conversations with your friends as a kid growing up and like sometimes it would turn a little racy. That was Bill Clinton doing that, wasn't it? He's like, yeah. <laughs> it's always Bill. <laughs> my old oh, friend Bill. God. Well, uh, everyone he's canceled. In, everyone in town has a Bill Seems Clinton that way. story. He should yeah. be. He should be. <laughs> everyone. In, he should be. Yeah. Everyone in town has a Bill Clinton story. I don't. I get to decide who's canceled, though. That's oh, yeah? Like, yeah, now I'm a woman. You're so the arbiter? Yes, yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You get to make that joke. Yeah. <laughs> we can't make that joke. But I can cancel Bill Clinton. I've been given the authority. Yeah, there you go. He's canceled. Uh, yeah, there, were, there were a couple great I'll lines. I'll go along with that. A couple great lines in this episode that I loved. Um, last one to class, first one on welfare. Mm. The teacher saying that is ridiculous. When you said everyone's still in high school, it was that teacher I was thinking of is not in high school anymore. Yeah, no, he's not. Uh, I I really I liked Cindy's yearbook poem that she read. Oh which my was, god, and that you need was, to read your poem. That was but. the thing that made me think. Oh yeah, I would I would have been Cindy. It's like I would have just been like, here's a sad thing I wrote. It's our fucking yearbook yeah, theme, it's everybody. Yearbook. It's not a theme. What she says. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> just some sort of like stream of consciousness feelings about i forced my senior yearbook i forced everyone to make the theme it's the end of the world as we know it and uh because i graduated in 1999 and i was like isn't this isn't Isn't this this? cheeky and like uh we one of the reviews uh so we sent it in for review from like the state yearbook board or whatever Uh and people won the best yearbook awards and the review came back with this is the worst theme for a yearbook i've ever heard You, yeah, I mean, I guess you could have done Y2K. And the last, pa- the last page was a giant photo of an out of focus basketball player like leaping to like make a layup. And I wrote this like long thing about how life is always out of focus and you can't quite understand oh my things. God, and then you sound the, it, amazing. <gasps> oh. oh boy! <laughs> so you are your Cindy, Cindy, Cindy Sanders. Cindy, Cindy Sanders. Sanders. Uh, sir, don't open that bait. I appreciated when the father. Oh, I like it's a throwaway in the store. It's great. He's trying to look out. He's trying to help Sam, but then he fucks Sam over basically. And then the 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 end of the scene is clearly. I'm assuming some sort of a an ad lib by. He's uh, a good dad. He's a good dad. He is a good dad. He's a good dad. He's trying even if he's impatient. Yeah. Uh, I loved Mrs. Weir when Lindsay says that Nick is the boy that she's seeing. Mm-hmm. And Lindsay's like, is he the one that ate all the fruit roll-ups? And then Lindsay says, <laughs> you said my, you could have them. Ate all of my fruit roll-ups. <laughs> I, great. I want to say, I think the thing that sets this apart from other teen shows, mm-hmm. even my so-called life to which it bears a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. The family relationships among the weirs are, I think the best developed in all of, um, in all of teen TV. Cause yeah. like, those parents have a relationship. The siblings have a relationship. Mm-hmm. The parents have re- different relationships with different siblings. They all love and care about each other. They yep. also all kind of despise each other. And it's just like there's a family dynamic there that holds this show together in a way. No other show's quite cracked. I, I absolutely – and I mean the casting is perfect too. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, uh, I agree with that. that so, scene at the end of this episode where Lindsay and Sam are just – talking just talking. like i'm yeah. like why aren't there more yeah. scenes like this because siblings just Fantastic. like yep mm-hmm. well, yeah that's the scene where he says uh yeah mom and dad just made me sit and watch television with them all night it was yeah. weird uh-huh. <laughs> and then the phone rings and he does the, the most memeable thing with the cord around his neck um <laughs> uh, and yeah it's just it's 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 just it feels very real but not in like a gritty way uh-huh. just in like a this is what it's like to just live in this or household. them making sam uh or them making Lindsay tell sam what a hot pc is <laughs> yes, oh my god what is the line Wait, it's it's is that what a is beautiful that, body yeah is, is, is it sam you have a is that in this episode that was, that was i'm with the band i think yeah that's what i'm with the band but uh, uh yes, you have a beautiful body yes sam you have a beautiful body you're an that, adonis if you weren't my brother oh boy uh, that poor kid having to tell we're gonna get this. Yeah. But that poor kid having to tell Alan that he's proud of his body. Oh my god. Oh my god, it's brutal. Uh I'd love that John Francis Daly's actual father was in this episode. He's really? the yearbook teacher, which oh, wow. I think is great. Yeah. Uh it's just like a, a, a just a nice little thing. Um I, I if I was Cindy, I'd probably date Bill over Sam in this episode, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah? Sam gets a little bit petulant in the middle portion of it until he actually gets to hang out with Cindy at the end. That isn't a great look for his character. In the last episode, we were talking to Toby about how everything is Mm -hmm. the end of the world. Yes. And having to sell the yearbook ads, not with Cindy, he really sells the idea that it's like the end of the world. (laughs) I agree. I agree. Um, I think that, 
you know, Mr. Weir saying your virginity is a gift to Lindsay is a lot. Um, but, you know, um, it is what <laughs> it is. At least they're talking about it. At least they're talking about it. Um, I, yeah. can't believe, I can't believe that we, like, Betty Ann Baker was, like, telling him to tell her the story about, <laughs> about the, the red the, light oh my district God. in Seoul. It's crazy. Tell her about it. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Um, I also really like that Millie's the only person that Lindsay really feels like she can confide this information. Yeah. Um, it's so real. It's real. They feel they have history. Um, she kn- she also knows the response she's going to get from Millie. Which, Probably wants it. And wants it. Exactly. She wants Millie to say, don't do it. Uh, her parents are a whole other, a whole other thing. So, um, But yeah, I mean, overall, just a – one of the best episodes, you know, I'm, I, I obviously can, I'm excited to, to continue into our second half of the, of the season. Um, but it's a really good one. And, uh, we thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Emily. Thank you, Emily. yeah. Um, do you want to read your poem? I'm going to, I'm giving two seconds. I'm doing a thing. Okay, cool. Uh, trying to. Well, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> please talk more about yourselves. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about Gordon actually, oh, since yeah. we have a chance, cause we didn't really explore that relationship. Um, Gordon is amazing. He's a little bit of a skeleton key character in this episode for for Sam, but I still appreciated it nonetheless. Um, I I loved that Gordon knows he smells and that he knows he has this condition. Um, I'm smelly, not stupid. <laughs> exactly. Gordon gets it. Uh, Did you know that he's Pugsley Adams? He is? Yeah, same kid. Wow. Well, how did I not know that? Yeah. I looked it up. That, no, I mean, but, oh, fuck. I yeah. love, Adam's Family Values is one of my favorite comedies. Isn't that crazy? I love that. Yeah. Um, but Gordon just being uh, uh, Cyrano de Bergerac for for uh, mm-hmm. for Sam is nice. Um, but also just at the end where he's like. His it, advice also sucks and it's good that Sam doesn't get the girl, but yes, yes. I feel that. No, I know. But, uh, but no, I just yeah, appreciate I that he's a little bit of a puppet master in it, which is, it empowers him, I, I guess. super sweet. Yeah. And at the end when he's like. I know I smell, and uh, it weeds out the assholes. Yeah, I think it's kind of great. Yeah, the, uh, they're doing research and the they're trying to figure it out. Did you look up to see if they had figured it out? No, because it's been like thirty years. Have they figured it out? No, it's, I mean since the since the show, it's been forty years, right? Yeah. They really haven't figured it out. That's a bummer. It's very sad to me. I feel I feel bad for the Gordons yeah. of the world. Gordon Crisp, I believe, is his name. Mm-hmm. Um. But he's he's a really nice character. Does he come back? Do we yes, talk, uh, Emily? Do you remember if if uh... I think so? Yes. Okay. And this is not his first appearance either. Well, he, he's, he's in the been in periphery. He's he in has six. A, uh, okay. a, not a lot, but a decent amount. Like he won't shower either. Huh. Oh, oh, right, 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 right. So he's around. Okay. Um. Yeah. I mean, I just I, I really liked his character. Uh. I thought that the way Bill is in the science class is great when he gets assigned to Cindy and he says, uh, you, madame, he calls her madame, um, <laughs> for no good reason. And she likes it. Yeah, she does like it. Uh, do you have your, your poem? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll read my poem. I, I failed at my thing I was trying what was to you, do. What were you trying to do? Do you want to tell us what you were trying uh, to do? I'm going to a RPG convention. I'm profiling somebody who designs RPGs. And cool. I was trying to get into one of her games, and the whole site just fucked up. Oh. Fucked up. I'm sorry. That's okay. So it had, okay. it had nothing to do with us. It had nothing to do with you. Or this podcast. Uh, well, like if I, if I had been on my computer, I think it would have been better. But, oh, well. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Of Earthworms and You. Is this the name of the poem? Yeah, I wrote this at 16. All right. Oh, God, this is, guys, this is, this I wrote this is a while treat. listening to uh, Primitive Radio God Standing Outside a Broken Phone Booth with something, something, something in your hand. I don't remember the name of the song. Suns misplaced in the universe. Galaxies fade and planets disperse. Every day is dark and drab. Find my pleasure in Science Lab. Gone from the hope of your embrace, I stop and find myself emasculate. Dissect an earthworm with a knife and strike a point for animal rights. Saggy ascus and liver warts. I'd buy you back, but I'm afraid. This next line is all one word. I wish I were. Omniscient. Don't ask me what it means. Sweat socks and urine overpower me as I walk into the rancid heat. You fell for gel boy and his hair. That's who she broke up with me for is gel boy. That's a little uh, annotation. Davy Crockett shot a bear. 
I loved you and you loved me. Gymnosperms grow inch by inch. What? I suppose you wanted Atticus Finch. After all, Gregory Peck's a hottie, I guess. This is really, what is going on here? Disjointed ramblings from a twisted brain are all I have to hide the pain. In a perfect world, X always equals three if Memphis is in Tennessee. Overwhelm me with self-pity as Mormons move to Salt Lake City. I was never very good at history, but I'm worse without you. Give Gel Boy all my best. As for me, I remain obsessed. Todd Vanderwerf, age 16. Who is that fucker? (laughs) (laughs) My favorite favorite coda to this and then I'm going to go stare at uh, my computer and 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 in fury. Um, my favorite quote of this is that briefly a uh, a techno musician from Australia, I think, took the, these lyrics and turned them into a song, and like tried to take credit as they were his lyrics. And like somebody in my freaks and geeks comments found it, and the song is no longer on the internet. I'm so sad about it because we're just like droning industrial noise, and then like a deep man's voice saying "psyche yes, and liverworts." Like, yeah, it was. Oh my god! I had to, uh, part of that was really great. There were some really, <laughs> there's some no, but there were some really beautiful sentiments in there. Yeah, and then uh, it kind of Summer Girls a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that's a is that a '99 song? Yeah, it is. We're gonna have to talk about that fucking song. I hate that song with with the pa- with the fire of ten thousand okay. suns. I do too. Okay, good. I think it's the worst song so ever. So I can't wait to. But like, also, it's the funniest song ever. So you know. Um, it's all right. something about Chinese food, and Chinese food makes me sick. Makes me sick. Um, oh, thank- oh, I like girls who love Abercrombie. I, I totally um, hate that song. I uh, yeah. did uh, a complete annotation of that song. So uh, good for us. We'll be having yeah. you on. <laughs> no, just read it. Just just make that episode a thing where you read it. Anyway, I'm done now. Thanks, everybody. Find my stuff on Vox.com. Uh, I'm at Twitter at TVOTI. You can find my podcast Primetime, and I think you're interesting. They're both wherever fine podcasts are sold. If you listen to them now, we're thinking about making new seasons of both, so that would be great. I also have written the scripted podcast Arden. Season one's available now. Season two drops December 30th, and I have a book called Monsters of the Week, the complete critical companion to the X-Files. The paperback is newly out, and it's under my correct name. Thank you so much for having me on, guys. I love the show. I love Love to be a part of it. I'm going to roll initiative. Oh, four. four. I'm going to have to go last. Let's see who goes first as they say goodbye. I already went first. Okay. Phil beats me. Oh, oh Kenny. I go first. Say your yeah. thing first. Uh, at Nybart on Twitter. That's yep. all I got. Uh, we are at podcast like 1999 on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we don't know who, what we're doing next week. So, well, so we're doing we're, episode nine. We're, yes, we just we don't know who our guest is. We don't but know who our guest great. is. Um, we haven't had a bad one yet, but it's gonna be great. And um, yes, thank Emily, you amazing. so much for Yay. listening. Emily's we'll the best. You, you're seven. Bye. 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 Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's nineteen ninety nine. Podcast like it. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.